We are really, really glad you're here, whether you're here in person or online. We hope you sense the presence of God, and I hope that if you feel God nudging you, you'll respond. It's kind of cool. We had a baptism here yesterday. Laureen, she came forward here a couple of weeks ago, and she was baptized yesterday. It was really, really neat. We've got about two or three, I'm not sure which, baptisms this afternoon, not part of the services, but a little later on this afternoon. It's just kind of fun to see God moving in people and people responding like that. It's cool. These are crazy, crazy times. So many things to fight over, so many things to take sides on, to cancel and vilify each other over. And instead of magnanimity and grace, our default has become polarization. For some, it's a game, just a game. And it's ugly, it's evil. And bottom line, it's threatening to drag a lot of us Christians in. Now, last week, I have to admit, I struggled to keep a clean heart. It was hard. Not sure I did. I was trying to write this sermon on loving each other the way God loves us, and I just got fired up. Our next-gen team, Lisa, Jess, Ben, they tried to do something powerfully good for kids and families and communities that are going through a really hard time. Our schools aren't open yet, so our kids are being asked to do their classes at home online, but a lot of our parents have jobs. A lot of kids don't have stable internet, so we opened up a study hall here at church, our virtual learning center where parents could drop off their kids, go to work, and our volunteers would help their kids do school, kind of like churches are doing all over this country. Tried doing everything right, mass social distancing, extraordinarily competent volunteers, But we got reported, we got called on. For what, I'm really not sure. And we got contacted by one of our state agencies telling us to shut down our illegal child care center. So we did, kinda. We shut down our virtual learning center and we opened up the Kids Zone Worship and Learning Ministry. They cut W, I know. I think it was John who called it the KZWLM. Sounds like a radio station, doesn't it? Where parents can drop off their kids in a safe place and go to work, where their children will hear about Jesus as well as get some help with their schoolwork. By the way, if we had more volunteers, we could take more kids. Some of our families are flat-out desperate, guys. I struggle to keep a pure heart this week, to be angry but not sin. How do you love all the parties and nonsense like that? It's not hard to feel loving towards some. Pretty easy to love on our kids, our families, our amazing volunteers. And sometimes being loving means that you have to protect them and provide for them and do the right things even when it's hard. But it also means treating with respect those who are very hard to love, doesn't it? These are crazy times. Nearly everything is politicized. Nearly everything affords an opportunity to squabble, criticize, and cancel. Pandemic, masks, BLM, Trump, Biden. And that polarizing climate is threatening the church. It's threatening to tear the church apart. The emotions are so intense, it should tear churches apart, it would seem. 
except for Jesus. Because sometimes when Jesus is in the middle of something, something almost magical happens, right? When he's in the middle of it, when he's allowed to be king. Because too often those who say they follow Jesus actually try to get Jesus to follow them. We filter our faith through our politics. We scour the teachings of Jesus to find anything we can see that would support our agenda, our platform. And we dismiss any of those things that he might have said that don't support us. But as we said a couple of weeks ago, Jesus didn't come to take sides, he came to take over. And whenever we edit Jesus to support our platform and our agenda, we rob the world of a message that changes lives and can change the world. Jesus leads us a different way if we're willing to follow, a way, better way. Even something just as basic as the second great commandment. Remember the two greatest commandments Jesus talked about several times? Here they are. Number one, love God with everything you've got, right? Put him first in everything. Number two, love your neighbor as much as you love yourself. Love one another as much as you love yourself. Do you think living out those two would revolutionize our politics, our culture, our church, our families? We're polarized even on things like masks, and we vilify those who disagree with as if they're devils. And Jesus says, love your neighbor as much as you love yourself. We fight over how and when to reopen our schools, how to serve the parents who need to work, and and their kids who need some God-honoring help. Love your neighbor. Polarized over racism. What if those who are so passionate tried living out, love your neighbor? Hmm. Social media, a place to assassinate each other with anonymity if you choose. Place where the meanest rule How would a little love your neighbor make the social media an entirely different place? Politics, where it seems like casting a vision is way less important than mocking and belittling and taunting and jeering those who disagree. Jesus' words in that context seem quaint, foolish. About newscasters who cherry-pick and spin and polarize. Can you imagine what would happen if CNN and Fox decided to try to live out Love Your Neighbor? It's funny, huh? It really is. And yet, just love your neighbor as much as you love yourself doesn't go far enough. It doesn't go nearly as far as Jesus would challenge us Jesus followers to go. Maybe it's enough for them to chew on who are not Jesus' followers, but he wants us to try something way more majestic. Ready? See, Jesus raises the bar way higher because even if I do get to the place where I love you or try to love you as much as I love myself, bottom line, sometimes I don't love myself very well. Do you? I mean, if I love you as much as I love myself, if I treat you the way I treat myself sometimes, that's not going to cut it. Bottom line, I don't want you to love your neighbors the way you love yourselves sometimes. I don't want you to treat your neighbors the way you treat yourselves sometimes. If some of you guys treated each other the way you treat yourselves, your neighbors would think you awful. Because sometimes we hate ourselves, don't we? 
Sometimes we abuse our bodies. Sometimes we treat ourselves as if we're worthless and unforgivable. And this loving each other as much as we love ourselves only works when we see ourselves through God's eyes. See, sometimes we do kind of love each other the way we love ourselves, and that makes things worse. I can be hypercritical of myself. That's maybe hard for some of you to believe, but it's true. I am a lot, and I can be hyperjudgmental about myself. And I can get hypercritical and hyperjudgmental with some of you. When I want to rationalize and excuse my own sins, which I can be pretty good at, I sometimes have found myself rationalizing and excusing your sins too, which doesn't help anybody. If I start seeing myself as worthless, which sometimes I have done, I can easily start thinking of others as worthless. Some of you guys see yourself as little more than animals, which is exactly the way that you see others. But if I can see myself through God's eyes, if I can grasp the idea that who God says I am is my reality, that will revolutionize how I treat you too. Now, if you want, close your eyes for a moment. Just close them. And try to imagine God looking at you right now, right here, right now. He's looking right at you. What do you see in his eyes? Do you see disappointment? God is disappointed with you? Do you see shame? That he's ashamed of you? Do you see sadness? Because he sees every one of your failures and flaws. Do you see frustration? That he's given you so many chances and you never really have tried hard enough. Irritation, anger at the games you play with grace. Are you actually capable of seeing in his eyes an unconditional love, love that loves you without reservation? Can you see yourself through the eyes of the real God? And you see, guys, you can open your eyes if you want. It doesn't stop when you finally see yourselves as God sees you. That's your reality. I mean, anything else is self-deception, a myth, a lie. That should change the way that you look at others because how he looks at you is the way he looks at them. How God sees them is their reality. Anything else is a deception, a lie, a myth. And when we start looking at each other through God's eyes, that's when people come face to face with Jesus. So, if you have a Bible on your phone or your tablet, you want to follow along on your Bible, find John 13. The verses are going to be on the screens as well. It's the Last Supper. Later that night, Jesus is going to go to the Garden of Gethsemane where he's going to be arrested. He's going to be taken away, interrogated, mocked, beaten, and then later crucified. And he knows it's coming. So that night he has this incredible meal with his disciples and he starts out by washing their feet. Jesus washes the feet of his disciples. Can you imagine, I mean picture this, picture before the next debate, Biden washing Trump's feet and Trump washing Biden's feet. 
or one of the protesters washing the feet of a cop or vice versa or a bunch of pro-masks washing the feet of a bunch of anti-masks or vice versa. And you're thinking, it's not fair. These disciples were all Jesus' friends and allies, right? (laughs) Jesus washes the feet of Peter, who later that night is going to deny him three times. He washes the feet of 11 others who are going to run away and hide when Jesus faces his worst. And one of those 11 whose feet he washed was Judas, who's the one who's going to betray him. Kind of a Trump-Biden moment, I think. What if we Jesus followers actually followed Jesus? How weird would that be? And then a little later, Jesus says this that night. He says, now I'm going to give you a new commandment, a new command, a new mandate. Love one another. That's not new. I mean, he'd already identified the big two, right? Number one, love God with all you've got. Number two, love one another as much as you love yourselves. Nothing new yet. But then Jesus says something that will take your breath away right before it blows your mind. Jesus says, in the same way I have loved you, you must Love one another with the same kind of love I have shown you. My way, Jesus says, you love one another. And that takes it to an entirely different level. See, I'd rather love one another our way. That'd be a whole lot easier. You see, we tend to respond with love. We love those who are lovable. We love those who love us first. We love those who are attractive. We love those who are worth it, who earn it. We love those who agree with us. So some of you guys love Rush Limbaugh, Ben Shapiro, and Sean Hannity. Some of you guys love Rachel Maddow, Don Lemon, and Bill Maher. And because our love is response, it is discriminatory. We choose to love some and we choose not to love others. If you're not lovable, you're not attractive, if you don't like me, if I don't like you, then I may choose not to love you. You see, ours tends to be kind of a receiving kind of love. I'll love you if you love me back. If you meet my needs, give me strokes, stir feelings of love in me. Without those, my love can fade. So our kind of love is conditional, isn't it? It's provisional. We'll love them if they love us back. But if they stop loving us, a divorce is coming. Our love kind of flows around their weaknesses. We'll tolerate their weaknesses to a point, but if you mess up too much, especially if you hurt me too much, our love dies. So our love is response, discriminatory, fixates on receiving, it's conditional. It only tolerates weakness to a point. Well, you can see what's coming, don't you? His kind of love is a whole lot different. I want you to love each other His way, God's way. It's an impossibly high bar. See, God's kind of love doesn't respond to who we are. It it initiates. He doesn't love us because of what He sees in us. He loves us because of what is in Him. He doesn't love us because we're so good. He loves us because He is so good. 
Because God is love. It's who he is. It's what he does. Jesus said, you guys do it that way. God's love is indiscriminate. He doesn't parcel it out on a few. Those he finds lovable, maybe. He's absurdly careless, reckless, crazy with his love. Doesn't matter how old you are, what color you are, how pretty you are, how rich you are, how nice you are, how you vote. And Jesus says, you guys love that way too. God's kind of love is about giving, not receiving. And I know God loves to be loved back, but he's not going to stop loving you if you don't love him back. He's not going to stop loving you if you don't change into the kind of person that he wants you to be. He still sacrifices you. He still gives lavishly to you. And Jesus says to us, do it that way. God's kind of love never flows around our weaknesses. It flows straight to them. His love is never choked out by our failures and our flaws and our sins. His love flows to them to confront them and to heal them. And Jesus says, I want you to love each other that way, the way I have loved you. Because that's what Jesus was doing, right? He was showing us the way God loves us, showing us a different way to love each other, a way that will change a life, church, family, a country. I mean, Jesus kept on loving the disciples no matter how often they stumbled or how big they sinned. He loved on tax collectors, sinners, Democrats, Republicans, both, masks and anti-masks, both. He loved the poor, the marginal, the women, the children, those who others disregarded as having no worth, those we cancel. He loved the sick, the disfigured, those others thought cursed by God, kind of like some of the people we despise. He even loved religious people like us who hounded him and chided him, refusing to back our agendas and our rules. He loved us with his love so deep, giving, unconditional, indiscriminate, that it took him to a cross where he paid the price for all of our sins all the sins of all of us and all of them when God so loved the world. And Jesus says to us, now guys, you guys go and do it my way. Do it my way. Love each other with the same kind of love that I've loved you. Love each other with my kind of love. Can you imagine the difference that would make if Jesus' followers actually tried to live that out? how it would change lives and families and friendships and churches and communities. If instead of loving only those who are lovable and attractive and worthy, what if we love them because of who we are, not because of who they are? And maybe even we could start trying to see them through God's eyes. What if our kind of love was flat out indiscriminate? We don't parcel it out to a few who look like us and think like us and act like us. We're crazy careless with our grace. What if our love was about giving way more than receiving? What if we kept on loving even if they never gave back? Loving us back. Like Jesus did. An unconditional love, not provisional, robust and strong, never fragile. 
instead of focusing on their sins, a love that flows right to their weaknesses, never going to be choked out by their flaws and their failures. But that's just utopian, right? Just a fairy tale. Is that even possible? And then Jesus says something that's even more mind-blowing. He says this. He says, by this, by this kind of love, by that kind of love, everyone's going to know that you're my disciples. By that. You'd think he would say, by what we believe, by our theological correctness, they're going to know we're his disciples. By our adherence to God's truth, by what we believe, right? Or maybe by what we stand against, how strong and <clears throat> how fiercely we stand against the gay agenda or abortion or kicking God out of the public square or out of the schools, how we vote. That's how they're going to know we're Jesus followers, right? Or maybe by our religiosity, how often we do church, the prayers we say at Cracker Barrel, the Bibles we keep on our desks at work, the Kaidi 24-7 stickers on our windshield. That's the kind of stuff that's going to mark us as Jesus followers, Right? Maybe by our personal morality. We're the kind of people who don't drink, don't cuss, don't chew, and don't run with girls who do. Right? That's funny, guys. You've got to chuckle a little at that one. Is that how they may know we're Jesus followers? I'm just messing with you. Some of that stuff is fine. It's not what Jesus says. He says, by this, everyone's going to know that you're Jesus followers if you love one another my way with a weird, weird, godlike love. That'll dance. That'll set us apart in a world where that kind of love is nearly, if not entirely, impossible. People who love not just the lovable, but indiscriminately, because it's not about who they are, it's about who we are. People who focus on giving way more than receiving, like our God does, an unconditional love, which does not fade when it's not returned, even if they don't morph into the kind of people we want them to be. A love that flows to their weakness with truth and grace. Several years ago, a Nazarene pastor came to Capital City for a while. He'd just gone through an incredibly difficult time at his church where he had pastored, and he came here kind of to hide and to heal. After sitting quietly in one of our adult Bible fellowship classes for several months, right before he was ready to leave and pastor on, he asked to speak to our class. And I don't remember the exact words, but I remember the sentiment. He said something like this. He said, I hope you guys know how special this place is. There are people here who are so different from each other. You're different politically. You're different theologically. You're different sociologically. Those are my words, but it's what he said. But you guys love each other. And you pull for each other. And you work alongside each other. It's amazing. By this... Everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another because it's so weird and it's so compelling and it points so powerfully to Jesus. Guys, we're going to have an opportunity to show the world a what different kind of love. Your, your candidate's going to win or lose based on how America votes in two months. 
the church, his church, this church, is going to win or lose based on how we behave until then and after. <clears throat> so we will refuse to be divided over lesser things <clears throat> because what holds us together is infinitely more important than anything that would divide us. And we're going to love each other with a love that overwhelms our differences. Will it work? Have you ever tasted the kind of love Jesus was talking about? And as I have loved you kind of love, unconditional, indiscriminate, sacrificial, a giving kind of love that flows straight to your weaknesses, it would blow you away. It will blow you away if you simply lower your defenses and trust the God who sent his son to die for you. Maybe you've seen already how transformational and healing that kind of love can be. So let it define us. Let's work at it. Guys, let our incredible God channel some of that incredible love through us. You see, as Jesus followers on our own, we're not capable of that kind of love. But as Jesus followers being transformed and empowered by the Holy Spirit that he has planted inside of us, he can get us closer and closer and closer. So here it is. Jesus says, let me give you guys a new command. Love one another in the same way that I loved you. Love one another. That's how everyone's going to recognize that you're my disciples when they see the love that you have for each other. Let's get it done. My name is Shane Smith. I'm uh, one of the elders here at Capital City Christian Church. I've been a member and uh, been, we've been attending now for about seven years. This particular series that Doc's been talking about politics uh, is near and dear to my heart because I'm someone who loves politics. I love the season. I love, I love the debate. I love the discussion. I love to debate my friends. One of the things that, that's been occurring uh, is our life group. Our life group is very diverse. We have a variety of ages, variety of races, of course, men and women. You know, with the current climate here uh, that's going on with politics and with, with the race, racial tensions in this, this country, there's a lot to divide us. You know, we still have political discussions. Uh, we still disagree. We disagree on how the country should be led or, or how the state should be led. We also have different points of view about the racial divide in this country. Um, and like I said, we have sidebar conversations, and sometimes well, they're pretty good disagreements. Uh, but what I, what I know and what I have a genuine feeling is that those people in that group, they're my friends, uh, they're my brothers and sisters in Christ. What I know is that our common goal is Jesus Christ and, and we're there and, and we're studying together and we're learning and, and we are becoming closer. Uh, we are becoming true brothers and sisters in Christ. As we hear about groups dividing, organizations dividing, families dividing, uh, if I was ever asked, what could we do or what could I do? The first thing I would say is don't, one, don't take it personal. Don't take what they're saying personal. And understand that they too have, a, have feelings and 
you may not always understand it. So the, the second thing I would tell you is to listen. Sometimes just listen. And then the most important thing uh, in all of it is knowing that Jesus is in the middle. He's at the top of it. And what divides us, if he brings us back together, that's what's important. And as long as the focus is on what he wants in us uh, and what he, how he wants us to live, and we strive to be there, we're going to fall along the way. But my advice is to remember that he is in the middle of it all. And we've got to get closer to the middle. Uh, and, and we'll find some common ground.
in your pain, in your suffering, in your sorrow, in your depression, in your anxiety, your trials, your triumphs, in my mourning. He is the same God on the mountain and in the valley. Even when we don't see it, even when we don't feel it, he makes a way. If you believe these words, sing with me this morning. Even when I don't see it, you're working. stop working you never stop you never stop working even when I don't see it you're working even when I don't feel it you're working you never stop you never stop working you never stop 